Magandang gabi, Uwapsa. This is Mark Kitagan from Uwapsa USL, your host for the episode 6 of Uwapsa Litaan Season 3. For today's episode, we will be talking about modernism of Philippine architecture. Today's guest is one of the pillars of Archeon Architects, established in March of 2000 and is currently the principal and managing partner. He finished his bachelor's degree in architecture from the University of Santo Tomas in 1986 and passed the licensure exam the following year. He then acquired three master's degrees, master in urban planning with concentration in urban design and master in architecture with concentration in architectural design and theory, both from the University of Michigan, USA. Master in Architecture with Concentration in Classical Architecture and Classical Urban Design from the University of Notre Dame in Indiana, USA in 1993. He is also a green architect. His architectural firm is a sustaining member of the Philippine Green Building Council since 2012. Their projects are often featured in magazines and major newspaper dailies, such as the Philippine Daily Inquirer, Philippine Star, Manila Bulletin, among others. He also has published articles in Blueprint Magazine, Mega Magazine, and Bear Magazine. Also an educator, he has been teaching at the University of Santo Tomas College of Architecture since 1995 and a lecturer at the university at the National University since 2004 and Polytechnic University of the Philippines since 2019. He was also a teaching assistant at the University of Notre Dame in 1993 and University of Michigan in 1991. Everyone, please welcome architect Dan Lichaupo. Hey, Mark. Nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, Paul. Uh, good evening, architect Dan. It's an honor to have you as our guest for this episode. Okay, so first of all, I would just like to ask Paul, kamusta ho kayo, especially now that the pandemic surely has affected not just your profession, but life in general? Um, okay, we're okay naman. Um, The firm Archeon, we're actually known for healthcare, so we do a lot of hospitals, and we did a lot of the COVID um, quarantine centers in the beginning of the pandemic in March. So we were kind of busy. So it's same lang. It's just that now, ako lang yung lumalabas, and my staff are the ones who stay at home para you, it's less risky for them. Do you consider it as an advantage, Puba, on your side? Yeah, yeah well, we went into healthcare because it's recession-proof. The, the you know when when the economic bubble for condos and commercial buildings collapses we should continue to have work now because hospitals will continue to build hindi lang namin akalain it's also pandemic proof so actually ended up with a lot more work this year than than you know normal okay let's start na po sa ating first question sure how do you as an architect define philippine modern architecture okay um well there's two Two there in the definition of one is modern, and the second one is Philippine. Um, what's interesting is uh, there is sometime in the 90s, there's a big push towards Philippine identity in architecture, right? And there were the definitions were actually three. One of them was if it was done in the Philippines, it's Philippine architecture. Second one, if it was um, done by a Filipino, it's Philippine architecture. And the third one, which is the one I believe in, is if it's in design, is intrinsic, it's DNA, is Filipino, then it becomes Philippine architecture. Now, modern would be, I guess, taking a lot of the clues from traditional Filipino architecture and transforming them into something that's more relevant and kind of exciting and, uh, you know, and relevant in the sense that it meets today's needs, no? because architecture has changed because of technology and technology has driven a lot of different ways in terms of how we can build and how can we put spaces together. Modern Philippine architecture, 
Uh, depending on your definition and depending on how strict you want to be. I'm a believer of the third one, wherein it has to be Filipino in its DNA. All right. Uh, so the second question is, Philippine modern architecture is greatly influenced by the American modern architecture. What do you think is the dis- distinction of the Philippines with regards to the impact of the Americas? Okay. I think, well, it's, it's wrong. Na. Number one, I think the premise is it's influenced by international architecture. It could be Filipino. I mean, it could be American. It could be European. It could be Chinese. It could be Dubai architecture, right? So what's happening, like everybody else, or everybody else, is a lot of Filipino architects look at what is the latest trend in architecture and then incorporate that in their building. You know? So example, the bird's nest triangular form and everything during the Beijing Olympics has started showing up everywhere in the Philippines, right? So that paekis ekis na triangular whatever. But one of the other things, you know, if you look at other international work, um, the whole diagrid and the design of the diagrid begins to influence also um, Philippine architecture. So the influences that local architectures pull out because of the internet, because of um, pin interest, you know, stuff like that, is becoming much more diverse and not anymore just American. So it's becoming much more international in terms of where people begin to pull out ideas in terms of putting and how they put their building together. So, you know, we have Zaha, who's highly influential, right? And then we have uh, still later buildings like um, uh, KPF, Competition Fox, SOM buildings, you know, stuff like that, where you can see where people are pulling certain design ideas from. So it's not just American anymore. Mm-hmm. All right. So having our modern architecture influenced by other culture, do you consider it Filipino openness to other culture? or a backward view to our own identity? Interesting. Um, first of all, depends on what building types, right? As an example, if we look at the condos that are being built by Ayala, by Greenfield Corporation, by SM, SMDC and everything, they're looking culturally at maybe the Hong Kong model, which is smaller spaces. You know, spaces have become much smaller, much more expensive. And so it begins to adapt, the Filipino adapt to that cultural use of space. So planning-wise, um, it's interesting because mm-hmm. if you look at the Bahay Kubo, a Filipino Bahay Kubo, right? When you take out the banig, it becomes your bedroom. When you roll up the banig and you put out the, 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 the table, it becomes your dining room, right? Usually there's a little papag and then, you can, and then there's a little built-in bangko, right? And when you sit on the bangko, it becomes your living room. Yes. And what's interesting about Filipino architecture and this whole idea of a one-room house is that it's what you put out that transforms the room which is very anti-Western because Western is, it's a dining room, it's a living room, it's a bedroom, right? And so what happens with the flexibility of spaces, particularly the development of smaller spaces, you can begin to see how people are beginning to make these flexible spaces work for them, depending on the time of day or time of use, right? And it's what you put in these spaces or what you make tago muna and then bring out, which is intrinsic in terms of the Bahay Kubo, which was the run one room house. So there's a interesting kind of parallel but that was driven not by an idea of going back to culture, but it's being driven by the fact that spaces in the city are becoming very expensive, right? But then inherent to that is the ability to transform. And so this transformative kind of architecture is very Bahay Kubo, very Nipahat, right? And then when you look at other things, where now you look at the progression of classical architecture and how um, the Bahay Nabato was developed in the Spanish times and how that's influencing you know, certain buildings like the buildings we do, there are certain key elements that, uh, again, are intrinsic in, in terms of the DNA of the building, 
right? But then sometimes it's just very hard to see because it's covered by this decoration that is Western or Chinese or Middle Eastern derived from international architecture. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, what do you believe more on? Is the Filipino art modern architecture, is it greatly influenced by Asian or American? Uh, both. It's influenced by anything and everything, which is the sign of the time. So what are you? Are you a Gen X or a millennial? What are you guys? Or <laughs> Generation Z. Are you Gen Zers? Okay, uh, Gen Zers. Very small, short attention span, right? Snippets of ideas, boom, 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 boom. And out of the buildings, you can see that people derive certain ideas and put them all to the building. And, and I think the skill now of the Philippine architect is to decide what to put into their building where it becomes relevant, right? So right now, if you look at it, um, if you look at the latest um, Architectural Digest, um, CASA, the different magazines, you see that a lot of the buildings will be similar to what's there. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying that's how a lot of things are done. But once in a while, you'll see something that's fairly unique and, and, and DNA and in the, the Filipino DNA that, you know, will stand out. So once in a while, you'll see some fantastic examples, not like before when you had Banyosa and Luxin and everybody else doing their thing, right? Right now, it's a little bit harder to see in terms of what becomes Filipino. Now, you incorporate a lot of that into um, the environmental gardens, planted buildings and everything, then it begins to kind of camouflage that even more so it's very hard sometimes to determine if it is Filipino or not so it will now begin to rely on the second or the first definition which is if it's in the Philippines it's Filipino architecture or if it's designed by a Filipino then it's Philippine architecture which I kind of don't really agree with all right sir uh this this is question number four sure. uh, besides modern Kubo which is very Filipino other buildings are greatly influenced by other cultures right Mm-hmm. Out of your experience as, as an architect, what do you think is needed to be able to promote our cultural identity and be of separation to other cultures? First of all, it has to be, number one, a conscious effort for the architect to say, I am Filipino, so therefore my building will reflect my culture. A lot of people will design their building because it reflects the site, it reflects the climate. You know? But how often do we begin to see things that actually reflect the culture? and where it becomes very difficult to see that. Um, what's interesting is that um, the NCCA, National Culture and Commission for the Arts, has done these every two year Haliginang Dangal Awards, right? Mm. And we won one of that adult awards. What we won one year for the houses that we've done. And so it was a particular house in Bel Air that was very Filipino. And so what, it becomes very key in terms of looking at a few group of architects who actually pursue this in their, in their projects or in their life as architects. No? Kame will pursue it in particular projects where, it's where we feel we can you know, get away with it, right? But on the other end, there are other people like Jason Buenzolido who's actually exploring different forms of modern architecture, which I think is very effective. But these are conscious efforts by people who are in the same vein of Bobby Munoza, right? who will begin to say, this is Filipino, and therefore we are here to develop Filipino. I worked with well, Bobby's partner uh, in the 90s. And so I learned a lot from him in terms of how to begin to understand what is Filipino and how to incorporate the Filipino culture into your buildings. Let me give you an example. When we do hospitals, we do a lot of healthcare. A lot of the times when our foreign consultants come in, they'll ask me, why is there a fridge in every room? Bucket may ref, right? And I, and I go, because Filipino hospital design has the four Bs. Bantai, baon, bit, bit, balutan, right? And so what happens is there's always a bantai in Filipino healthcare, 
right? Kasi kung wala kang bantay, the nurses will go to you and say, ha, wala kang kasama, kawawa ka naman, di ba? Hindi ka love ng pamilya mo, right? <laughs> There's a baon, which is food, because in Filipino culture, if you're dying but you're eating, they say, uy, kumain siya, he's gonna live, right? So there's baon. Bit bit is you'll bring your own you'll you'll bring your own hot pot. You'll bring your own appliances. Particularly when you go to the government hospitals, they will bring their own things. No? And then balutan is everything you know comes in as a package when you leave and enter the building. And we have to design for that in in in, in healthcare, right? So we're not here to say let's change the culture, but we're here to design it to adapt to that culture. Another specific example, um, when we did Medical City Hospital, when I was at Bobby Manyosa, and we did the, the second wings for that, um, we went into very Western ideas of ICUs, where you cannot, you know, you have to gown and you enter the ICU to visit the, your dying relative. What we found out is we started putting in back the viewing corridors, because ang daming bisita, ang daming bit-bit, no? So we put back the viewing corridors so that you don't have to enter the sterile the area inside the ICU, so you can, you, you can wave to your relatives in the ICU room. And that viewing corridor is very Filipino. And so instead of, we found out that we can't change it because people will still want to go into the ICU facility. And so when this changed, we said, okay, let's go back to what is done and tried and, and proven before. And so we're putting back the viewing corridors, particularly in PGH. We're doing, we just finished, we're doing a building for PGH. We finished their master plan. We're going to bump PGH from 1,500 beds to 2,500 beds. Right? And the first building from that master plan has IC facilities and a burn center that has these viewing corridors for the patients. It's a public hospital. It's very Filipino. And so therefore, we had to design on how the Filipino will use that space. And that's culture and adaptation. Again, culture, uh, uh, it's Filipino's DNA and adapting and understanding that DNA. It's nice to hear that the things you buildings consider Filipino traits Yes, actually, yeah, it's very important. Because what we've learned is you can you can change, you can modify behavior, but sometimes it's just say, let's just adapt and design for that behavior. Another example, we in this PGH building, we will have lounges for the patients' visitors. Okay, these are in the wards. In those lounges, we have sinks. In those sinks, we have grease traps. Because they will bring in their, their plato, eat their adobo, and then wash their adobo plates with all the mantika in the sinks. So I said, no, don't wash it in the sink of the bathroom. You wash it here because we have a grease trap for, for the waiting lounges. And this is where you can wash your dishes because that's how the Filipino will work. Because you're dying, but you have to eat your own baon, diba? right? Because your own baon from your house makes you feel better. And um, because of the baon. So we have to make sure that we're not killing the people by allowing them to bring them the, to bring their baon into the facilities. All right. Uh, moving on to the fifth question. Revolutionary Filipino modern architecture has emerged in the country and was led by architects Luxin, Antonio, Nakpil, etc. What do you think can people in general, not just architecture students, learn from them and their experiences? In okay. Super chamba. You know what I did my apprentice with Lindy Luxin? When yeah. I was fourth year in college, I worked with him. And one of the things he asked me when I remember when I interviewed with him, he said, Dan, do you really want to be an architect? I said, yes, sir, I want to be an architect. And therefore, he took me in and I worked in their office for about two years, you know, before I, I left for the States. And one of the biggest lessons I learned from Lindy was his architecture was totally emotional, 
right? So when you look at this massive cantilever of the CCP, this floating box, and you stand underneath that box and you see the arches kind of pressing down and you have this counterbalance between the weight of the box and the lightness of these, of these arches that are beginning to bend with the weight of the box. It's again, idea is a modern version of the heaviness of the Bahe Kubo with its light stilts and everything else. Huh? And then when I came back, I applied and I got accepted with Bobby Manosa. Interesting. I applied, I interviewed. The interview was about 45 minutes. I spoke for five minutes and Bobby Manosa spoke for 40 minutes. Right? <laughs> and, and I worked in his firm, eventually became his partner after I worked, was there for like six years. And, and that's where the cultural, the love for culture actually started, you know, become stronger. And what's different, the difference between, let's say, Manyosa and, and, um, and Loxin is that Manyosa would be more on the, on the skin, on the decoration, right? When Loxin would be more on the idea of weight and the idea of putting materials together. And when you look at Nakpil and how they incorporate um, traditional Filipino motifs in the classical architecture, in the earlier work, you know, stuff like that, would become fantastic ideas of how you can pick and choose, adapt, and create something that is unique and that is can only be seen here in the Philippines. Just like, interestingly enough, Dubai architecture now is the only place in the world you can see that kind of architecture because they were specific in saying we want our buildings fantastical sculptural forms. And that in itself has become culturally Dubai that you don't see in other places. Yes, right. Which is very different from what you would see in Scandinavia, what you would see in the U.S. So sayang, sana we can develop something and say, I'm in Manila. It's not just traffic, but it's the, the buildings are Filipino. And so it would be nice to see that. And we still do that in the firm. So we would have buildings um, wherein we are, we have a Barong Tagalog building in, in Fort Bonifacio called the Nicolasia Tower. Um, we're doing another building. Um, we're doing the city hall of Taguig, right? Which is a very Filipino building, which looks at the Bahay Nabato and explorations on the Bahay Nabato and how it'll begin to come together in an office building. So it's interesting that there are some people who will do it. Some people don't. A lot of people don't. And same thing in the 90s, where Bobby was the single crusader for Filipino architecture. There are a few architectural firms who would pursue this, right? And it's my wish that people would pursue it. Not 100% of their projects, but means and means and pachamba chamba, do naman something Filipino and build your portfolio of work. Were you influenced po with uh, architect Luxin and architect Manosa's philosophy? Both, both in terms of work ethic, both in terms of how to, uh, yeah, how to look at architecture, emotion, material, and then what I learned in the states was the idea of structurality and and structure in terms of being Filipino. What is a Filipino structure in terms of how you put the building together? You know, things like that. The Bahikubo has the halige. Right, and then and then the skin is just wrapped or tied into the halige, so the halige doesn't really carry the skin. The bahay nabato has a structural system, but the stone doesn't really carry the house. It's the poste beside the wall that carries the house, and the stone second floor is actually skin. It's actually not intrinsic to the architecture. So there are certain unique kind of structural features in both Hispanic and pre-Hispanic architecture that we can draw from. How the Torogans in 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 uh, in Mindanao architecture are put together, right? And that in itself has a certain idea of structurality. The structurality of the of the Ifogao house and how it kind of just carries through, and how those posts translates into carrying the floor, but doesn't translate into carrying the roof, which are very different ideas that you'll see in Western architecture. 
for the last question po, in this times, very, very famous who yung mga K-drama bias. Kayo mo, yeah, <laughs> K-drama bias sa mga okay. hard uh, What is your bias structure from all those created during during the modernist era in the Philippines? <clears throat> oh God, my favorites were torn down. The Benguet building of Luxin. That's a beautiful building. Um, I don't know if you remember that. It's where now, the, it's an SM mall now. It used to be in Ortega Center. But when that was built, that was the only one. The San Miguel building is still iconic, right? Um, of of, of um, Bobby. Um, there's a lot that are still there that you can actually draw a lot of inspiration from. The old Sulu Hotel of the Banyosas. The, uh, the, the Philippine Pavilion for the Tokyo Exposition, I think, for by Luxin was beautiful also in terms of its sweeping arches, right? And so there are a lot of things that are sometimes just committed to memory. There's hopefully a nice thing that a lot of them published. Some of them have been gone. But it, it really stems from this idea that if you really want to do something different and at the same time reflect your culture, you don't, I, my philosophy is you don't have to do it all the time because you have to make money. But once in a while, something will come up and say, hey, we can pull out something, right? And come up with something totally different. And, and the idea in the office is like, We've done that. Let's do something else. I've seen that. Let's do something else, right? And the whole idea of creating something that is unique, unique to the setting, unique to the site, unique to the country. And within that, you develop something that is hopefully recognizably Filipino or understandably Filipino. Last na po, sir, any advice po or any message to our architecture students po na nakikinig? Number one, don't go, go insane. I know you miss each other, right? So malapit na ito. Malapit na yung kwan. I know that a lot of people are having a hard time. The sad part about this whole pandemic is you will lose the idea of interaction, right? And remember, in the past, when you guys were hanging out in school, you learned a lot more from your classmates by looking at their work and talking about other things, making pintas-pintas your teachers that you don't like, Right? You, that's basically part of the learning, and a lot of the learning is outside the classroom. That is what you lost. That is what this pandemic has, 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 has taken away from you. But on the other end is now as you travel, as you begin to understand and you spend more time at home, you have to understand how your houses work and why was the spaces that you decide to work in work. What can I do to make it better? Ask yourself, um, I'm in this room. I don't like it. I've spent months and months in this room. What can I do to make it better? And all of that will draw, will become an, a well of experience, you know? your, your, your database of experience that will hopefully affect your work down the road. And ask yourself your question, the same question, is anytime you see a building, anytime you see a space that you like, is why do I like it? Why does this excite me? And what makes this work, right? Not necessarily copying, but understanding what the spaces feel like, what the container does to the space, and begin to adapt that to your own building. So the point is, get out of your houses when you can, experience different places, experience different spaces, but learn from that because the built environment will be your best teacher. And you can start by understanding the environment that you've been kulung in in the last eight months. Right? Uh, Example, just, well, how can you design your bathroom better? Right? Because you've been kulung in that room and you go to the bathroom. How do you, can you design your kitchen better? How can you design... Ask yourself, what was the airflow in my room? Was it mabaho? Was it kolob? Was it bright? How can I make this better? Maybe if I came, I had all the money in the world and I designed this from scratch, I would have done this, this, this. Because now I know the space because I use the space. And I think a lot of you are using different parts of your houses that you've never used before. 
right, for a long time and understand why it makes those spaces work and what makes it galing or what doesn't make it galing and then learn from those spaces. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Architect Dan Lichauco. Very welcome. Being- and there you have it. This is our last episode of UAP Salitaan Season 3. Make follow UAPSA on Twitter and Instagram at UAPSA National and on Facebook, facebook.com slash UAPSA National. Also like our UAPSA official publication page, Haligi Publication, at facebook.com slash publication and subscribe to our YouTube channel, UAPSA TV. Maraming salamat po. Thank you for listening on today's episode. Let's all welcome 2021 with positivity and hope. Happy New Year and stay safe.